You know those moments where you think, I wish I would have learned this in school? Those are the topics that we love to talk about. Join me each week as I interview experts sharing their strategies for solving problems that us young adults will face throughout our 20s and 30s. So what are you waiting for? And if you want new episodes about adulting advice every Monday, hit that follow button. We often hear about 401ks and IRAs, two incredible retirement planning tools. But what if I told you there was a third secret retirement account that trumps both of these? Today, we are discussing the Health Savings Account, or HSA, and why the HSA is not only a financial game changer for managing your medical expenses, but also a powerful tool for building wealth for your future. This episode is a replay of episode 40, where I interviewed Sean Mullaney, financial planner and the voice behind fitaxguide.com. I needed to recast this episode because, well, it's hard to cover mastering money at work if I don't talk about HSAs. You'll uncover how HSAs offer a triple taxed advantage, giving you a tax deduction when you contribute, tax-free growth, and tax-free withdrawals for qualified medical expenses. But here's the real kicker. An HSA can be a pseudo-retirement fund by delaying your reimbursements and investing your contributions for the long haul. If you want to learn how to do that, along with if you qualify for an HSA, how to keep your expenses organized, and what to do if your company doesn't offer an HSA, well, you're in the right place. Also note that this episode is originally from 2021. All the information is still really relevant and helpful, but the HSA contribution limit has increased. It was originally $3,600 at that time, and now in 2023 is $3,850 and increasing in 2024 to $4,150. Honestly, just makes this an even better case of why the HSA is such a great account and can't be ignored. All right, let's get into it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with the FI tax guy himself, Sean Mullaney. In my most recent episode, What You Need to Know About Taxes in Your 20s with tax professional Sean Mullaney, we covered so much material about terminology, the US tax system, and retirement accounts. One topic that came up, but we didn't get to discuss extensively was health savings accounts or HSAs. I was gonna let this go, as I always have an endless list of topics that I wish I could have covered with my guest, but Sean and I agreed that HSAs were too important of a topic to be left unturned. So Sean agreed to come back on and share more of his knowledge. A high deductible health plan paired with an HSA can be a great option for young adults with no chronic medical issues. You can look at this episode as part two to the former. So if you haven't listened to episode 39, this might be a good time to pause this conversation and do just that. We're going to be discussing over the next 10 or 15 minutes what an HSA is, who's it for, and, and all some of the specifics. So why don't you just kick things off and tell us kind of high level, what is an HSA? So an HSA stands for a health savings account. It's a tax advantage savings account. And you qualify to have a HSA 
if your only medical insurance coverage is something called a high deductible health plan, a so-called HDHP. So what the heck is an HDHP? An HDHP is an insurance plan with a relatively high deductible. So the idea is if you have this insurance plan and your deductible is somewhat high, then you're going to be more likely to price shop for medical, you know, for medical expenses, and that will be overall good for the system. So when they invented these HSAs, they said, okay, we want people to do more price shopping in, in the world of medicine. And so we'll say, if you get a high deductible health plan, then you qualify for this health savings account. Uh, and the health savings account itself has some really good benefits, right? So first benefit is if you make a contribution from your employer payroll to your health savings account, then you get a deduction on your tax return or the money's excluded just like it would be if you contributed to a traditional 401k. So that's a nice juicy tax benefit there. Uh, but it even gets better. If you do it through payroll withholding, you get a payroll tax. A deduction, right? So let's say you, your salary is fifty thousand. You put three thousand into an HSA from your workplace uh, withholding. You're now down to forty-seven thousand in terms of W two earnings for both income tax purposes and that FICA tax we talked about last week. So that's really cool too. And then third is the tax-free growth. If you leave the money in the health savings account, it grows tax-free. And then if you take it out for medical expenses or to reimburse yourself for medical expenses, it comes out tax-free. So you had had that grid last time, Justin, about traditional, you know, you put, put it in, get a deduction, taxable on the way out. Roth, you put it in, no tax deduction, tax-free on the way out. If you do the HSA right, it's the best of both worlds, tax deductible on the way in and then tax-free on the way out. That's really, really good. I think you you did a good job teeing us up. And I think we're going to drive into a lot of the topics or, or points that you were just making there. Let's circle back around to the high deductible piece to it. So let me get this straight. If I have an HSA account, that's not necessarily my medical insurance that pays for medical expenses, correct? That's right, Justin. The high deductible health plan is your medical insurance. Health savings account is just a tax advantage savings account. It's a checking account for my medical expenses, essentially. Well, yes and no. So it can be a checking account for medical expenses, but it can also be an investment account. And we'll talk about that. For younger folks, it's generally better to use it as an investment account, not as a checking account. There's a big tax reason for that, right? Um, checking accounts don't create too much tax leakage, as I might say, right? So if you have a checking account at the bank and it earns, in today's environment, very low interest, the interest income that's going to hit your tax return is minimal, right? So there's no problem with having your checking account just as a taxable brokerage, a taxable account, who cares? The HSA is such a good tax account in terms of its tax-free growth you don't want to put an asset that's going to generate a very small amount of taxable income into a tax advantage account in most cases. So it's better suited for your high growth assets. 
right? Because what the HSA can do is it could shield future interest, dividends, and capital gains from income tax. Mm -hmm. So it's a great account to say, hey, do I have assets in my portfolio? And look, I'm not here to give you or anyone else investment advice, but maybe I have assets in my portfolio or would like to have assets in my portfolio that hopefully will grow quite substantially. The HSA is one of the best candidates for those types of assets because years down the road, maybe I have a big capital gain in that asset, but I want to liquidate it. If it's inside an HSA, there's no federal income tax on selling that high growth asset. So, but back to your original question about, hey, what's this HDHP? That's my medical insurance, right? That's the high deductible health plan. And sometimes folks don't like HDHPs because they say, oh, it's got a high deductible. I'm going to have to pay out of pocket when I go to the, to the doctor. And HDHP is not optimal medical insurance coverage for every person. Absolutely not. But for a lot of young folks, it can work really well. Here's why. A lot of young folks have low medical expenses. They just don't have to go to the doctor a whole lot, right? So the HDHP says, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm a young person. I'm at relatively low risk of substantial medical bills. If I get hit by a bus, if I have a cardiac event, a cancer event, it is in place so that up to the deductible, you know, I maybe I have to pay a substantial amount, but after the deductible, I've got substantial protection financially. But the odds are my life's going to play out where I'm in my 20s, I'm relatively healthy, I'm not going to go to the doctor a lot. So why do I have all this insurance to protect me against the cost I'm most likely not going to bear? Right. So the idea behind the high deductible health plan is it provides financial protection against the high expenses, right? And much less protection against the low expenses, but maybe that's okay because I can afford to pay for the sprained ankle out of pocket. And then I'm getting this huge tax savings benefit where I'm putting some money into the HSA. It's growing tax free. And not only am I putting it in there, a lot of employers will put money in there. So it might be that you know you could contribute up to the maximum, but before you even contribute or can contribute, your employer might put $600 in there a year or $700. Mm-hmm. So there might be some free money for you involved in the combination of, of using a high deductible health plan and having the health savings account. My current employer put in $750 into that HSA account as soon as I signed up and enrolled. So that was a, a super nice benefit. So if we take this in steps, it sounds like step number one is identifying if you're a candidate for an HDHP, you know, high deductible health plan. You mentioned a few characteristics of the ideal profile, relatively healthy. You're not expecting any substantial health expenses. And I would say you're probably financially sound as well. Like you can set aside enough money to cover whatever your deductible is. Is is there anything you'd like to add or rebuttal against that? I think that's generally speaking um, the approach I would take. I think for most young folks, as long as you don't have very substantial debt and you're in really, you know, generally speaking, good health, it doesn't have to be perfect health, but as long as you're in good health and you don't anticipate, you know, the big one would be chronic conditions, right? So if you have something like irritable bowel uh, disease or something like that, where it's going to be chronic and you're going to the doctor, you know, very frequently. Most likely a high deductible health plan is not going to be a good fit for you. But for many folks in their 20s and even well above their 20s, 
a high deductible health plan is worth very serious consideration. Yeah, I think um, you've mentioned before. I mean, most most of my my friends, it's the annual physical and on occasion some kind of weekend warrior injury. I just had a sprained ankle, kind of sucks. I have a high deductible health plan. I covered most of the the spread there, but also I I have this great tax advantage vehicle like the HSA. I can either use that money now to pay for it, or as we'll talk about later in this episode, I can keep that money in there let that grow tax-free and, and use it as an investment vehicle. So step number two would be to identify that HDHP. And you're saying $1,400 for a single individual. I think it's $2,800 for a family. So as long as I have a deductible that is higher than that, it is considered a high deductible health plan? Yeah. So what you're going to want to do is go to your employer benefits portal. And the plan document should say whether it's HSA qualified or not. So the plans have to meet several rules. The big one is having a certain deductible and that that level changes every year, but you just wanna be, wanna be crystal clear with your employer that your particular plan qualifies as a quote unquote high deductible health plan. And, and a lot of employers sort of want you to adopt the high deductible health plan because their insurance premiums are usually lower in addition to your insurance premiums being lower. Okay. Makes sense. So I identified a high deductible health plan is right for me. I've enrolled in that. I've signed up for the HSA. Before we get into the investment piece to it, how does an HSA work just from a transactional level? I mentioned it was kind of like a checking account. And from my experience, it, it feels like that. If somebody doesn't want to use it as an investment vehicle, what does it really look like? Okay, so for, on a transactional level, the first thing is getting money in there. And you want to make sure you've elected through payroll withholding to fund your HSA. And I say that because of that FICA tax break, right? So you can every year, just write a check to your HSA. That's allowed and you get an income tax deduction for doing that and that's okay. But what's even better is to say, hey employer, withhold so that I put in the maximal allowed into my HSA through W-2 withholding, just like you would for your 401k, your health insurance, you know, other things that come out of your paycheck. If you do it that way, you get both the income tax deduction and the FICA tax deduction. But the FICA tax deduction, this payroll tax deduction is not available if you do not do it through your workplace withholding. So, And, sure and just as a, a reminder, or if somebody hasn't listened to our, our prior conversation, FICA, that is Medicare, Social Security, relatively, I think, like 7.65%. That's right. Under today's rules, it's 7.65% of the first $142,800 of your salary. It then gets reduced down to basically the Medicare piece, 1.45%. There's a surtax after mm -hmm. a certain income level. Let's not go that far down. But yeah, I mean, that. look, if I can put 3000 into my HSA after my employer match, right? Let's just use a round number. And, you know, if I do it through my workplace, I get 7.65% payroll tax savings. I think I'm generally behooved to do that. So yeah, I would absolutely recommend trying to set this up through your workplace withholding, which generally speaking, your employer will uh, facilitate. 
So right away, they get a get a deduction off the FICA taxes and off of income taxes reduces your taxable income, which is great. So even if you don't want to use it as an investment vehicle, there's a great reason you essentially get a discount on what are these qualified medical expenses. And qualified medical expenses, I found out, is a little bit broader than I thought. I mean, obviously, if you get a sprained ankle, go see the doctor, need to pick up a prescription, it covers some of these things. But I've also found there's there's actually a broader scope to medical expenses. One thing in particular that my girlfriend recently bought were feminine hygiene products. And a lot of those fall under qualified medical expenses. So that's one thing. What are some other things that people might not realize count as qualified medical expenses? Yeah, Justin, this is such a thick topic. I'm actually going to refer everyone to an IRS publication because the Mm -hmm. IRS actually does a pretty good job with it. It's IRS publication 502. It has the laundry list and the list is so large and there are exceptions and, and you know, that's a whole other conversation. So IRS publication 502, if you have any questions or doubts, right, it's a really good publication. It's it's technically for information purposes only, but it is really well done. Um, the other thing I would say about that is you, we've talked about the transactional nature of the HSA. And so what you need to think about on, on all right, we got money in there. We set up our payroll withholding. What about taking money out? Mm-hmm. Right. You have two options. You can use it as a piggy bank. Right. And like you said, Justin, you'll get the tax and the payroll deduction if you do it the right way, you know, and and fine. And then you use it as a piggy bank and that's it. So you could theoretically use it for qualified medical expenses during the year. That generally speaking is not my preferred approach because what I like to do is say, all right, what were my qualified medical expenses? Let me pay them from my own regular checking account, put them on a credit card, maybe get some airline points or something, some bonus points or whatever. Um, but essentially pay them for my regular funds and then let the HSA money accumulate tax-free and grow tax-free. And, and that's really a tax strategy. And the cool thing about it is, you know, you're not foregoing ever getting that money out for those medical expenses. So, okay, so you're in your 20s, you're covered by a high deductible health plan, you have an HSA. Weekend warrior injury, $300 for your sprained ankle. Okay, let's not pay that with our HSA. Let's just pay it with our checking account. And then what we do is we keep a record, you know, on March 25th, year 2025, I had a $300 medical expense. I'm just going to save a record of that. And I'll keep a spreadsheet. And, you know, years down the road, what I can do is I can reimburse myself from my HSA tax-free for that expense. Mm-hmm. And so the, the strategy is around delaying, removing the money out of the health savings account so that it can grow tax-free. But later in life, it can sort of be a pseudo-retirement account where you say, hey, I'm in my 60s or 70s, perfectly 65 or older, right? I need some money just for my everyday living expenses. Oh, look, I have these old receipts from 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I'm going to reimburse myself for my old medical expenses from my HSA. And that is tax-free. There's no time limit on reimbursing yourself out of your HSA for your old medical expenses. And, and so that's sort of the strategy. The other piece of this is when you're age 65 or older, 
You're probably going to have some additional medical expenses, so you could just directly pay them from the HSA. Mm. And some of the Medicare premiums that you pay in your 60s, 70s, 80s, some of those qualify as qualified medical expenses, so you can pay those out of your HSA. And, and the, the cool thing is you've gotten in the interim 40 plus years potentially of tax-free growth. That's very powerful tax planning. And, and so that's sort of the approach I like to take is, now, look, if you have a cataclysmic situation, heart attack, stroke, cancer, hit by a bus, those sorts of things, you're fighting for your life. Yeah, drain your HSA. You got to fight for your life. You don't need to do tax planning. But if you just have those routine medical expenses that you can cash flow out of your regular checking account, why not just do that and let the HSA money grow, tax, penalty, all that tax-free for many, many years? It can be very powerful tax planning. One indication that it is such a great retirement vehicle is the contribution limit, which is, I think, $3,600 for a single individual they limit that because it is such a great tax advantage vehicle. As you mentioned, tax-free going in, tax-free coming out, grows tax-free. It's kind of the triple thread. It's um, I was giving that you know quadrant, that two-by-two two quadrant, and it actually fills more than one bucket on, on that quadrant. It's honestly like one of the best vehicles. And even if, you know, for some reason you think you're going to overfund that and you're never going to have enough qualified medical expenses to pull out all of that money in your HSA one day, then at 65, once you hit 65 and you want to start pulling that out for non-qualified medical expenses, it essentially just turns into a 401k. I agree, Justin. And here's the thing. Most folks, if they keep decent records, should very rarely find themselves in that situation, meaning especially for those in their 20s, right? As long as you've been covered by the H, uh, by a high deductible health plan, you've had an HSA, all your future expenses, even if you then change your coverage at some point in the future, can be paid for out of the HSA. Hmm. So the odds that you couldn't, you know, you're in your, six, your late 60s, you just take some money out of the HSA for whatever reason to go to Disneyland, to go to Vegas, you know, to put a new roof on the house, whatever it is. Um, you should be able to go back in time and find expenses to say, oh, yeah, that was a reimbursement of this sprained ankle, this, you know, surgical procedure, you know, this mammogram, this, you know, whatever exam, and you're okay, right? So, uh, but you are right. Theoretically, if you can't find old medical expenses to, to be reimbursed, then as long as you're age 65, the money comes out like a traditional IRA. It's just subject to ordinary income tax, but no penalty. So uh, it is very powerful in that way that, yeah, in a worst case scenario, after your 65th birthday, you're generally speaking only subject to ordinary income tax. And you got a tax deduction on the way in. Yeah. And if, um, I mean, my system is pretty simple on my, um, on my budget, I just have another tab. That's just medical expenses. I just put in a line, what the date was, what it was for, who the provider was and how much it cost me. And then I have, um, inside of my Google drive, just another folder where all I do is scan that invoice, um, and, and add that invoice invoice in there. And then one day, like I said, I'm just going to go down the line and, and start pluck, plucking them off as I, I need money out of the HSA. Yeah, it's just such a you know nice little tool that we can have. And especially like we talked about on the last episode, time, right? So 
we can, in theory, think about, hey, you know, I'm going to do this or that and make so much more money. And that's at least a theoretical possibility. We can't buy more time, right? So if we're in our 20s, we're relatively healthy, we can save these amounts tax-free, boy, that can grow over many, many years and provide you know, another layer of tax advantage savings for our future and our long-term future. So if the employer doesn't provide an HSA option, but they are in a qualified um, HDHP, high deductible health plan, they can go outside of their employer and get an HSA set up. Is this correct? Uh, yeah, as far as I understand, yes. It, as long as the plan itself qualifies as a high deductible health plan, you are allowed to set up an HSA independently if you know your employer doesn't offer an HSA. There are private providers, and th- this applies in two contexts. One, if you have you don't have an employer that sponsors a health savings account itself, but you qualify because you have a high deductible health plan, there are private providers of health savings accounts. And then the second piece is what if you leave your current employer? So you'd have essentially three options. If you leave your current employer on your health savings account, the first one would be they may allow you to just leave the health savings account alone. You have to watch out though, because they may start charging an administrative fee because you're no longer actively participating and that can sort of start eating away at the account, yep. right? But that is at least a theoretical option. Second option is, oh, I went to the new employer and new employer has a health savings account. So I'll just do a direct trustee to trustee transfer of my old HSA at old employer to new HSA at new employer, right? That's the second theoretical option. And then the third one is to find one of these providers. Two that come to mind are Lively and Fidelity. I believe there are others out there. I'm not here to endorse any particular provider, but there are providers that will just, oh, you left the job, you have an old HSA, you just come to us, you just directly transfer it into our HSA plan and you invest it or do whatever you do and, and you're good, right? So uh, there are those three options when you have to move an HSA or when you leave a job, you either keep the HSA at the old job bring it to a new job or bring it to your own just sort of independent HSA at a financial institution. Yep. And I've done an HSA rollover into my Fidelity account. Super simple. It's painless. One other caution as as we're wrapping up this conversation here as well, make sure you invest the money inside your HSA if that is your intent. A lot of my my employer in particular, I think has like a $1,000 minimum that I have to hold in the account, like essentially the quote, quote, checking account, but anything above that, I'm allowed to invest in. So I just picked a simple target date fund and let that thing ride. I just don't want anyone out there to set up the HSA, think they're making an investment and it's just sitting in cash and they're making 0.01% on their, their money. Well, yeah, you should always just, you know, on occasion, just check your account balance and see where where life is, right, in your HSA. You don't need to be addicted to your statements or anything like that, right? It's not about what the account did yesterday versus today. It's about long-term portfolio allocation that aligns with your goals and objectives. Um, the other thing that you'll probably get an HSA debit card in many cases, a lot of times you just want to put that thing in the drawer, right? Yep. You know, you keep whatever cash is needed to be in the HSA based on the, the rules of the plan, but you may just get it a debit card to be used for your medical expenses. 
you just keep that thing, you know, in your files. And, you know, assuming your your plan is to have mostly growth and not use it for current expenses, but maybe do a reimbursement type strategy, just keep that thing on file and never use it. And it can collect some dust. And years down the road, you'll have a real uh, strong tax advantage account. Sean, thanks for joining me again, um, sharing everything you know about the HSA. Can you please share with the audience again where they can find you, what your website is, and and also what your blog is? Thanks so much, Justin. Great chat with you today. Uh, My financial planning firm website is MulaneyFinancial.com. My blog is FiTaxGuy.com. Awesome. Well, it's a pleasure, and thanks again for joining me. Thank you, Justin. Thanks for listening to the episode. As always, I appreciate your kind words. If you want to leave us a rating and review on your podcast player right now, that would absolutely make my day. If you want to find episode show notes, our blog, and other great resources, head over to tsirpodcast.com. If you have follow-up questions, an idea for a future episode, or just want to say hi, We have a contact form on our website and those messages go straight into my inbox and I promise you, I will reply. But all right, guys, I really appreciate you tuning in. I love you all and you're not alone. Let's keep making it through our struggles together.